Welcome to Season 2 of Offscript with Sam Monk, Senior Leader of Equippers Church. Over the next few weeks, we'll be going off-script with Sam and other leaders from his network across the globe. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Offscript. I'm Sam Monk, and we're talking about leadership lessons, what's worked, what hasn't, and everything in between. Uh, last few episodes, we've had Peter Prothero joining us. Uh, he's part of our global team and carries a lot of leadership experience, been in ministry 44 years. And, um, you know, I'm just so privileged to have uh, amazing people who are part of what we're doing and around my life. And uh, Peter's a great blessing in many ways. We've been talking, though, about the dichotomies of leadership. Mm-hmm. And we talked about one dichotomy, um, directive leadership uh, versus empowering. And it's not one or the other. It's actually both, and we need to understand context and Mm. seasons where we need to be directive and other seasons where we can empower. Uh, But we're going to open up another dichotomy. Um, You want to open that up, Peter, for us today? Yeah, I I think there's one that that, um, I've wrestled with a great deal because part of missional theology is a huge emphasis on go and tell. Mm. Uh, And I'm good with that. I, I, I grew up and I was discipled in a church that was all about go and tell. But actually, I think it's about come and see as well as go and tell. Oh. And so, you know, it depends which verses you want to privilege and you want to emphasize. And, it, and again, we're back to this whole idea of is it either or, this polarization, rather than and and both. So if you, if you read Matthew 28, it's definitely about go. Yeah. It's definitely about the telling. It's definitely about reaching the world. You know, if you look at Acts 1.8, it's definitely about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, that's the expansionist part of the kingdom. That's the missional dynamic of moving outwards all the time. But when you look at the life of Jesus and how Jesus operated, often there was a come and see element to Jesus. So, for instance, in John's gospel, um, John's, John's disciples are with John the Baptist and he sees Jesus walking past one day, and, and John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John's disciples start to follow Jesus. Which is a little bit awkward. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yes, you've got that, you've got that dynamic. And then Jesus, you know, they're, they're following Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, What do you want? And, uh, and they say, You know, where are you staying? And, it, and it, actually, if you think about that, it, it all sounds like stalking to me. You know, like, yeah. can you imagine people following you? Say, what do you want? They say, where are you staying? It's like, I'm going to tell you. Uh, you know, Jesus says, come and see. Wow. Come and see. And then if you think about Revelation chapter 22, the way the Bible ends, the spirit and the bride say, come. Mm. That's an invitation. Again. Yeah. And, and so you've got the contrast between the end of Revelation, beginning of Revelation. So, in, in the first chapters of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, you've got seven letters to seven churches. And the whole point of those seven letters is, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In other words, there isn't agreement with what the church is saying and what the Spirit is saying. Wow. There's, there's this appeal from the Savior himself, from Jesus himself, who walks in the midst of the candlesticks. But by the time you get to the end of the book of Revelation— there's agreement. The spirit and the bride are actually saying the same thing. And it's an invitation. Come on. Let yeah. him who is thirsty come and drink from the water of life. And so then you've got the Psalms. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's an invitation. Yeah. That's a come and see. And so for me, 
um, you know, there's this whole push out there in, in certain streams, particularly the house church movement, which is very critical of invitational church, attractional church. Well, Jesus is attractive. Yeah. And Jesus invited people to, to be with him and to experience things. And so why are we making it either or? Why are we cutting out half of what is potentially an opportunity for people to experience the gospel and experience Jesus? So, you know, do I believe in go and tell? Yeah, but most of the go and tell is with mature believers. Wow. Yeah. You know, the rest of the time it's come and see. Yeah. Come and say, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, it's an invitation. Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Come. Yeah. You know, and he experiences the supernatural. And so I, I think, you know, in this dichotomy of leadership, let's not think that it's either this or it's this, but where can we create an invitational culture? And I think Sunday church is a great opportunity. Brilliant. You know, I maintain that that if you ask the average person on the street, and it doesn't matter if they're a Muslim, a Hindu, a Buddhist, an atheist, it doesn't matter. And you say to the average person on the street, where, wh- where does church meet and when does it happen? Yeah. They'd probably say in that building over there at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Yeah. So everybody knows that. So, so why would we throw that out of the window? Why wouldn't we just transform that and say, let's make that a come and see moment? Yeah. But, but the come and see moment is to empower people, mm. equip people for life through yeah. faith in Jesus Christ in order that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they can go and tell. Yeah. And, and so there has to be a gathering. There has to be a come and see in order for there to be a go and tell. Yeah. And I think even more, um, especially with everything that's going on in the world, <laughs> that invitation is so vital because, you know, people have been um, scattered. Yes. In, in a lot of places. Um, and so the church does need to, gather together yeah and but we also need to send the invitation out because people are looking for community yes in many different places and we've got a model like i like the church is the gateway of heaven we should be modeling what what heaven on earth can look like absolutely like it's yeah we're not perfect but god's grace god's mercy god's love is working through every aspect of yeah. of the community well that's what we pray and yeah. that's what we hope for yeah and yeah. and you know in our churches what a great opportunity you know well just take the simple promise of jesus where two or three are gathered yeah and you know i love that word gathered there it's intentional yeah but two or three are gathered there am i in the midst and so when we come together as a church and then we invite people into that environment there's an opportunity to experience jesus there's an opportunity to experience the peace of God, to experience the love of God. And, you know, over the years, I've had people say all that stuff to me. Wow, I walked in and I couldn't believe the peace yeah. that wow. just came over me. Wow, the hospitality in this church. You're just so kind. You're so generous. Oh, yeah, well, that's what we believe our God is like. Yeah. You know, and so we want to communicate that to you. Yeah, and, and that's the power of what you can do together. And I think, you know, in a lot of places, many people... Uh, you know, think, oh, I've done that for a while. I don't need to gather. But you don't know what you're missing. Yeah. And so many people hit crisis points and they haven't been in fellowship or they haven't gathered. And it's like, 
you know, well, could it be, you know, just over time? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, when Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem, um, it's recorded in Luke's gospel, it's recorded in Matthew's gospel. One of the things he says there is how often I wanted to gather you yeah. the way a hen gathers her chicks. And, and if you've ever seen a hen gather chicks, the, the time that she gathers the most is, is when she wants to protect them and wants to cover them. Yeah, true. And, and, a, and a chick under a hen, you can't see them. Mm. You can see the hen. It's quite puffed up and the wings are out, but you can't see the chicks. You can't, you can't attack the chicks without attacking the hen. That's true. And, and Jesus is saying, I wanted to gather you in that kind of way. I wanted to put protection around you. I wanted you. And then he says, but you are not willing. Wow. And so, you know, we often use this phrase in Equippers, is there an I want to yeah. in your heart? Because it's more than just turning up for a meeting. Yeah, in doing a religious formula. <laughs> exactly. It's like you tick box, done for the week, till yeah. next week. No, gathering is about I'm intentionally there and something is actually happening in my heart and I'm willing. I'm, in that moment, I'm willing to encounter Jesus. I'm willing to fellowship with others. I'm willing to let my life be formed and shaped in this gathering and beyond this gathering. Yeah. And there's nothing like corporate worship. Oh, absolutely, corporate worship in many places, and I love Psalm 100 where it says, "Enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise." And you know, I like the thought, um, you know, because so often people can come to church, but they're coming with nothing. Yeah, <laughs> but it says, "Enter with thanksgiving, enter with praise." And what you don't come with, you have to borrow from somebody else. And I just love the thought. You know, wouldn't it be amazing if everybody who called themselves a believer came on Sunday with a Thanksgiving, with a praise, yeah. that there'd be so much in the room that, you know, the unbeliever who comes in is just overwhelmed. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know what? When we've seen unbelievers come into that environment and been so overwhelmed that they've started to engage, even before there's an altar call, they've yeah. actually started to engage because something in their heart is saying, I want to be part of this. I want to, I want to engage with this. Yeah. And that's the power of the come and see. Yeah. That's the power of the gathering. But, but the whole point of the gathering is to equip and then empower. And then there is a go and tell, yep. but that, that comes later. And, and I think a lot of people are right when they say the church needs to go and tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and which we do <laughs> need to go and tell. But I think in the affirmation of go and tell, there's sometimes the, dis uh, the dismissal of the go and see. Yeah. Which, you know, the results of that can be actually a little bit dangerous in a way because the body, <laughs> you know, or the, the, the local church is the place of discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's the place where we actually get our authority from to actually go and tell. Yeah. In a, in a way where it keeps us accountable. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and with the whole go and tell, you know, it's about thinking through, well, what's, what's a good way to go and tell people in this context? You know, I grew up in a, in a discipleship movement where in the 70s, go and tell always meant street evangelism on Saturday. That's what go and tell meant. But, but, but what does go and tell look like on Monday when I'm at work? Yeah. And, and for me, and I wrote this in the first chapter of my book, go and tell on a Monday at work is do your job to the very best of your ability till you become so good at it. People say, wow, you're really good at what you do. Become really trustworthy in the exercise of what you do. So people say, 
wow, you're somebody I can rely on. And over time, people then want to know your story. Well, you carry excellent spirit, a little bit like Daniel. Exactly. Uh, where the king, what Daniel 6, 3, where it says yeah. the king gave thought to put him over his whole realm. Exactly. Because he carried an excellent spirit. And that's where, you know, favor, and that speaks a lot. But I also like, you know, talking about Matthew 28, the Great Commission, the go. You know, somebody once said it could be translated as you go. Yeah. So. Yeah, in the like, going. Yeah. In the, in the going. Yeah. In the going to work, in the going yeah. to the gym, in the going to play sport, in the going, yeah. make disciples. Yeah. Because, you know, going to all the world is like, well, we're in the world. Yeah. Yeah, but it's as you go about, you know, your daily activities, you have the opportunity to shine, to be a light. Yeah, absolutely. And so I say to people, look, focus on your character, focus on your competence, and in time what you will get is credibility. Yeah. And people with credibility are people that we want to listen to. Yeah. And step out because the Holy Spirit empowers us with gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, whether it be a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Yeah. Insight, you know, in the in boardrooms. Yes. In hospitals. You know, how did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And And that's where, you know, again, I think we need to rethink about the gifts of the Spirit that so often in Pentecostal circles – the gifts of the Spirit have been limited to meetings. And so we've judged the quality of a meeting by, did we get tongues and interpretation or do we get prophecy <laughs> or whatever? But, you know, my, my view is, well, what happens if the guy who's hosting on the door of the church, when he shakes hands with everybody, just asks this question, Holy Spirit, do you have something you want me to say? And let's say one in every 10, let's say 200 people come along. You've had 20 prophetic words over people just being greeted on the door. Yeah, wow. Well. It's like, wow, well, what if we did that at work? You know, not in a weird way, but in a way that Jesus did. Yeah. Behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile. You know, there's nothing weird about that, but it's prophetic. It may be old school language, but, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. But, you know, it's, it's, it would have been common language to the day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. It's like, whoa, what's that all about? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it got Nathaniel so that, he went from, can anything good come out of Nazareth, to you are the Messiah, you are the King of Israel. That's a huge shift yeah. in a very short space of time. Yeah, and Philip was able to go, come and see. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You've got the come and see right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and in the encounter, a transition takes place in his heart, and it changes everything, and then he ultimately becomes one of the go and tell people. Yeah. I love, I love this thought because when it comes to mission, and outworking that mission, so many people get paralyzed because they don't know how, you know, mission is outwork, but they think about the street evangelism or they think about certain models and ways of doing it, but they don't understand, you know, evangelism or, you know, the mission of a God is fulfilled both in the go and tell, yeah, but it's also the, the come and see. And for, for those providing hospitality, you know, hospitality in a church, in a home uh, speaks a lot. You know, it's, as to what the kingdom of God is like. It's huge. I mean, yeah. the word hospitality um, literally means love of strangers. It's xenophilia, oh, wow. not xenophobia. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's loving the stranger. And, and in Deuteronomy, God says, look, I want you to be careful with the, the widow, the orphan, and the stranger in the land be because you are slaves in the land of Egypt. And so the whole hospitality thing, the whole of love of people, comes out of remembering we were slaves, we were oppressed, we were pushed down, 
Wow. You know, we, we were people who were taking advantage of. And, and so when you meet people in places of weakness and vulnerability, don't do that to them because you know what that feels like. Yeah, wow. Yeah, well, we could all learn from that because we've all been in, let's face, in, into a, a party, a meeting where you feel like you're the odd one out. Yeah. And sometimes it just takes one person coming over and making you feel comfortable at home. Yeah. And I often say to our church, you know, the church is don't be a stranger in your own home. You know, come on, if somebody walked into your home, yeah, you would offer them something to drink. You know, you'd, hey, sit on the couch, feel at home. Yeah, and, and you're touching on something now, Sam, that I think every church leader needs to be acutely aware of, and that's that we naturally form cliques. Yep. In churches, it, well, in in any context, we form cliques, and and I think that when we're in church, particularly on Sunday, particularly in a in a common sea environment, we've got to intentionally disengage from our clique and engage the stranger, engage the person we don't know. Yep. And I remember saying to our team, "Look, when when the service finishes for you, it hasn't finished. You've still got twenty more minutes of ministry time." And your focus is finding someone you don't know or finding a new visitor and engaging with them, learning their name, making them feel welcome, and even remembering their name so that if you see them next week, you can say, hi, so-and-so, so good to see you again. I really enjoyed our chat last week. And people are blown away when that happens. Imagine if we empowered every Christian to do that. It would it, 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 be, yeah, yeah, just that. It would be huge. And I like to think, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so if you're a stranger in a new place, you know, it's so awesome when somebody comes up to you, helps orientate you, you know, welcomes you, puts you at ease. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that's huge in any, any environment. So I like that thought, you know, that we're talking about the dichotomy of leadership. We talked about directive versus empowering Um Go and tell versus come and see. Yep. And so I hope this has helped. And uh, it's so great being here with Peter Prothero. And uh, if Off Script has helped you in any way, please do share it, like it, uh, tell other people about it. Uh, these are just natural conversations where we just want to help people in their journey of leadership. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Off Script with Sam Monk. If you found this podcast helpful, make sure you pass it on. We love your feedback, so drop us a line about what topics you'd like to hear about on Offscript with Sam Mike.